Welcome to The Burnout Show, a weekly conversation with special guests who generously share their burnout stories with us. We also chat with health and wellness experts on how to best navigate burnout when you're in the thick of it, as well as how to avoid it returning. And now here's your host, Jess Jones. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Burnout Show. Today's very special guest is Jess Critchlow. Jess, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Well, two Jesses, so this is going to get, I hope people know we're talking to each other. Anyways, not yeah. like a third person. <laughs> I'm so grateful you let me come and play, you know, on your show with you. This is a a topic I have had to struggle with and learn about personally. And so, yeah, I'm excited to dig in and yeah, see where we get to. Wonderful. Me too. Well, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do now and the story of how you got to where you are today? Yeah, of course. So right now, now I'm a confidence coach and trainer. So I work with people and small businesses to really build that confidence muscle in a real grounded, I say radical, I don't usually tell corporates it's radical, but anyway, it's a real <laughs> grounded way. So so people can, you know, love work again, make the money they should be making, all of those things. So that's what I do now. Mm. My twisted story behind it is I am an ex-corporate gal. I spent over a decade in big corporate and um, enjoyed it, believe it or not. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not one of those people who became self-employed because I couldn't stand it. I, there's lots of things about being in a team and being in corporate that I really loved. And though, and this is why I'm so excited to play with you, like the reason, the thing that started me on the path to all the work I've done around you know, my own confidence and and moving into an entrepreneurship role was essentially burnout. I didn't know that's what it was at the time when I was in corporate. I was just mm-hmm. like, why can't I cope? Why do I like, what are all the, like, I don't understand what's happening. I guess I need a therapist. And so, you know, yeah, therapy's great. And I loved, I loved that experience as well. But what I didn't know at the time is burnout was, yeah, it was the big bad monster that was just always sitting beside me. And mm. looking back from where I am now, I'm so grateful for that experience because that is, you know, that's what started me on the path of learning about boundaries and self-care and confidence and all of the modality, all the things. So I guess I can be grateful. Yeah, it was not probably the most joyful experience I've ever had. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where I got to here to be here now. It's fantastic. Look, I know and I can relate as well, the uh, Mm. experiences we have that get us to the place in our life that we need to be aren't always sunshine and and lollipops. They're they're not. And, you know, there's that old cliche about learning from your mistakes and all of that sort of thing. And I think the biggest thing is as long as we can learn from these mistakes and these experiences, and it doesn't mean to say that we won't make them again you know I've made a a few mistakes more than once and still have to learn that lesson and that's okay Mm -hmm. as long as we're kind of taking taking it all in as we go and understanding more about ourselves that sort of helps us grow and improve for the future I think that's the focus here yeah definitely I'm with you yeah yeah great so are you a naturally motivated person Jess or did something sort of spark you into action to get you moving like this Yeah, I would argue that I am a very naturally lazy person or, or if I'm being kind, I'd say like I'm energy efficient. Um, (laughs) but what I am, and this is sort of, again, like turn a little bit, what I am though is 
by nurture or nature or a combination of both a people pleaser. Had to do a lot of work around that. And mm-hmm. so even though I am, I am, ve- and ironically, it's why I was so good at my career because I was like, okay, there's a 10 step process. I bet I can find a two step way to do this. <laughs> I bet I can do it in 10 minutes, even though it took them two days. So ironically, great at continuous improvement. But for me, a lot of the motivation comes from like managing expectations, making sure everyone's like the, the sort of relationship side of things, which, which can be, you know, can be a great skill. And it's a reason I've been successful. It just can also very easily fall into toxic overperforming, you know, toxic mm-hmm. codependency, all that kind of, you know, the swamp of people pleasing, I guess. Yes. Yes, that's right. So how do you manage your time effectively now? How do you sort of sense when overwhelm's kind of creeping in Mm. and you know you don't want to go down that path again? What do you do? Yeah. Oh, it's such a good question. And I'm going to, I'm going to just give a couple of things that have worked that I do rather than Mm. like, here's my 22 step process. Um, (laughs) That's that's boring for everyone. So, um, so one for me is I, had to do, I've had to do a lot of work actually around boundaries. I realize you asked about time management, but for me, it was never really about I've taken on 30 things and I should have took on 10. It was, I've taken on trying to make 30 people happy when I should have made like really focused on the three people. So I've had to really look at like what's okay and what's not okay, getting way more comfortable saying no to demands on my time um, demands on my energy, probably even more so than my time. Cause I have young kids and I'm like, I'm like a zombie half the time anyway. So <laughs> one of the big things for me was learning about boundaries with people. Like, cause for me, I actually loved being busy because then I didn't have to do the hard, uncomfortable work of saying no, because it's not a right fit or no, it doesn't seem like I'm the right person for that. I could just use the crutch of, oh, don't have capacity in my calendar. I'm in meetings from 9am Monday till 5pm Friday. Can't do it. That was easier for me, ironically, being run ragged than the discomfort of telling someone, no, I don't think I'm the right person for that. Wow. So I've had to be really, really dig into to that, the people pleasing stuff and the, the boundaries and this, the discomfort of saying no, even though I quote unquote have time. It's yeah. still not the right thing for me to do, or it takes sure. too much energy or whatever that is. So that's, that's been the biggest one. Mm. And then the second one too, in, in terms of time management is, and how I sort of structure is, I, it sounds super simple, but I'm telling you, it changed my life is I have my very important task list. It's like VIT mm-hmm. and I get to put three things on there. That's oh, it. And they I've three actual things. Yes. yes. Not like, oh. not like, you know, solve world hunger. That doesn't yeah. get to be one of the things. It's like yes. this email, this worksheet, this newsletter. Mm. And that, if I do more, cool. But the only things I get to be all in a tizzy about are my three maximum three things. And that's been game changing for me. Really has. So simple. But yeah. 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 And as you were saying, how are you finding it? it, Is it helping you? It's absolutely life changing because I was that person that had, I had 
three sections of to-do lists on my whiteboard for three responsibilities mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. Then I had my notebooks. Then I had post-its of the urgent <laughs> things that I would stick around my desk and on my laptop. <laughs> like it's mental. And then I actually learned that three things from someone I spoke to on the show a few weeks ago. And she said, you have a master to-do list and you put it somewhere that's not in your immediate vision, you know, so I've got a Google spreadsheet and I've got my three tabs with my three responsibilities and I've got this master to-do list. And every day I choose five things and I have a wonderful business BFF, Rochelle, and every morning we just send each other our top three and an emoji for how we're feeling. And that has been life-changing for both both of us. So I Mm -hmm. 100% back the, yeah, what did you call it, VIT? Yeah, I'm a VIT. Very important task list. Yeah. So good. You know, and you reminded me of something else that's related to that, that I think, Mm. and it sounds like you probably do a version of this too, is for me, sometimes the biggest thing is I get too excited about something and I'm like, oh, and I could do that training course and oh, I could run that thing for that company. And the problem sometimes when I first started discovering like, oh, I have to say no, I thought it was to the obvious stuff. Like, oh, I can't watch five hours of Netflix every night. Yeah, cool. Okay, I can say no to Netflix. But actually, it's I have to say no to things that I am excited about, that I would love to do. It's just it's not the right time or I don't have the right resources or it's just, you know, it's not, you know, I'm too committed to other things. It's not part of my big vision, even though I'm excited about it. So I have my ideas book behind me. So every time I've got the new like, oh, I should do that. I'm like, write it in the ideas book. Yeah. You can come back to it when you have capacity again. (laughs) Calm down. (laughs) Yeah. I love that idea because it is so easy to be distracted by the the shiny things and the things that make you sort of light up and you think, hey, I could do that. That'd be brilliant. But it is, yeah, yeah, really, it is tough to be strict and disciplined Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, come back to your main mm-hmm. focus. And if it's the top three, then, you know, so be it. Well, and besides, let's be honest. I've come back to some things in my idea book and been like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that at all. Why was that like, and imagine if I just dove in and started it a month in, I'd be like, oh, I really yeah. don't want to do this. But now I've told everyone I'm doing it and I've got yeah. people signed up and I don't want to do. So it gives my, you know, it gives me a window to do I, do I actually want to do this thing. Yeah, fantastic. So good Mm -hmm. for so many reasons. So Jess, can you tell me a little bit about your personal burnout experiences? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so of course it was when I was in corporate because, you know, that's where a lot of it's corporate and entrepreneurship seem to be the two great loves of burnout, right? So so when I was in, uh, I was in corporate, I was sort of chasing the, this was before, like I said, the burnout was the moment when I discovered coaching and therapy and all these modalities. So mm-hmm. this was before I'd really done any self-work. And it was this thing of, okay, what was I, maybe six years into my career or something. I'm like, okay, feeling unfulfilled. I know I need a promotion. Right. And it was like, I got the promotion. That's like, I know I need another one. So yeah. it was just this treadmill of the next accomplishment that I can put on my business card will make me feel better about like myself or, Mm. you know what I mean? Like this, there's a bigger something that I'm missing. So I guess I need a promotion or more money or a bigger project or more clients or whatever. So, so I was on that kind of treadmill, you know, and what I, what I tell people a lot is my experience with burnout. Yes. Was directed in, in the sense that I was striving, but I was very much rewarded in my workplace behaviors of burnout. 
So being online, you know, I'd work my, let's be honest, I don't think I ever worked an eight hour day at that organization, mm. nine, 10 hour days. I'd go home, I'd be on my laptop until 11, 12 at night, messaging with the director or the VP or, and rewarded for that behavior. I was rewarded for not having a life, for constantly being at the beck and call. I don't think I ever vacation that I booked and took at the time I was supposed to. I always moved for meetings or projects. I never put myself first, myself first, my health first. And that was rewarded. Like it what no one at my workplace was like, this is weird. You should probably not work on Saturday. Like you should go for a walk or like read a book or be here. No, it was like, oh, you're so dedicated. That's like, this is why you're going places here. This is why you're on the high potentials list. And by the way, I worked with wonderful people. It was not like, oh, can't wait to break her. Like, let's yeah. see if we can get her to like <laughs> totally have a breakdown. That wasn't happening. They just, yeah. I worked really hard. I seemed happy. They were like, great, everyone's winning. Mm-hmm. So we have to be really careful of, yes, how much of it is self-directed, but not make them a thing of like, not only are you burnt out, but now like, oh, I can't believe I did this to myself. And why didn't I set better mm-hmm. boundaries? And why didn't I... It's also something that is being put on you and that, or at least that was my experience and really starting to notice some of the subtle ways that it was being put on me and the ways that I was doing it too around, you know, like I said, boundaries and better time management and not just trying to please everyone and their mother and their neighbor and their dog walker. And Mm. anyway, so, so that was my experience. It was, I was striving and I was being rewarded for being my entire life being work. Mm. and I knew something wasn't okay. Like I was not okay, but I didn't know why. I just was like, oh, I guess I need therapy or something because I'm crying all the time and I can't really focus and my brain's not working the way it should. So I guess I need therapy. And that sort of opened the door to therapy and coaching and and really flipping it all on its head. Yeah. That was sort of my, the starting of my experience of like, oh, I'm not okay. (laughs) Yeah. Something's not right here. Yeah. So what did that recovery look like for you? How did you pull yourself out of that slump? Yeah. On paper, it looks like I quit my job, sold all my stuff and moved to England, which I did do eventually, but that actually happened way after my recovery. Mm. So for me, it was hiring help, like I said, and the big thing for me was I had to get a life. <laughs> I didn't have one. So yeah. I had to find hobbies. I joined, <laughs> I cringe thinking about it, but because I was so bad, I joined an adult ballet class. Oh, I look like a confused giraffe at the best of times, but I was just like, I did that. I did. <laughs> you just trying to leap across the floor. It wasn't pretty, but I was just, I, tried all of these different things. I went to seminars. I joined some... Now, don't get me wrong. It sounds like, oh, you just piled more stuff on top of burnout. I didn't. (laughs) I was like, I was like, what are the other parts of my identity that are lost? Mm. That was the big thing for me. So I was exploring my creativity, physical movement. You know, I started really, I started keeping a journal of like, when am I lit up? Because it's not all the things I've been doing over the last few years. It's not getting a promotion. I got the promotions. I got a bunch of them and went, cool. I don't feel any better. 
what's happening. So it was really starting to almost be a scientist in my own life of like, when Mm. am I actually relaxed and content and happy and joyful? And what does that look like? And yeah, I joined a dating app because like Mm. I hadn't been on a date in like three years. That was also a whole other disaster for another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And it, yeah, it slowly but surely changed my identity. I still loved my job and I loved the people I worked with, but it wasn't everything. And so when I had to disappoint people and say, no, I'm sorry, I'm not able to change my vacation day. It still stung a little bit because the people pleasing runs deep, but I was okay. I could sit in that discomfort and hold those boundaries because I had these other parts of my identity that I'd been, yeah, building up. Yeah. I always wonder too, when we get to that point in our lives where we are, you know, striving for something, we've got big goals, we're following Mm. success, whatever that looks like to you. At what point do we lose parts of ourselves that used to be us, that used to be part of our Mm. identity, those passions, those loves, those things, like you said, that light you up at some point, I guess they diminish and we let this um, ideal of what we think success should look like take over. And we lose mm. ourselves oftentimes in the process, not always, depending on what you're doing. But mm-hmm. mm, it's interesting. So did you come back to anything that you used to love or did you sort of go, I need a fresh start? What do I love now? What am I into? What's going to excite me? Such an interesting question. One that I've never really thought of. Honestly, it was a fresh start and yeah. I'm, just, I'm just sort of processing it as we talk. And I think part of the reason for that is I was always a striver. Mm. You know, like I was the quintessential good student, get the good grades, get into the school of choice, get good grades, get into the postgraduate of choice, get good grades, get the job you wanted, get quote unquote good grades. Yeah. You didn't know any of So, other I mean, yeah. Mm. Interestingly, there is things from when I was really little that I came back to, but not consciously. Like it wasn't like I didn't consciously try to map back to mm-hmm. what were those things like. Nature was always a big thing for me as a kid. And I started doing like walks and hikes. I didn't even, I haven't even put that together till now that I did actually go back to some of those things. I just wasn't aware that's what I was doing. Mm. That's pretty awesome then. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Amazing. So can you share a little bit about what you do now, how you help other people? Yes. So What I focus on now, and I I sort of mentioned at the beginning, is I work with people to really build their confidence muscle. And, you know, when I talk about confidence, what I'm talking about is knowing what your abilities are and taking action as a result. That's it, right? So there's nothing in there that's like, and I can't be nervous and I have to like sound a certain way. And no, 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 none of that's confidence. That's just like junk your brain is layered on you. Get rid of that. What are your abilities and can you take action as a result of those abilities? Rinse and repeat. Like that, that's all we're talking about here. And yet that's so hard for a lot of us for, you know, myriad of reasons. And, you know, why Why I I was so curious to talk to you more about burnout. I, it's not my specialty, but what I see a lot when I tell people, oh, I, I help people with confidence specifically in their work and in their career and they're like, oh, I, honestly, I'm already, I'm burning out as it is. Like, I don't want more confidence. I'm like, <laughs> oh no, you do need confidence then to be able to say no yeah. and confidence to be able to 
dream of like, what's the thing outside of the vision you have for your work? So right now it's just, if you hear confidence, you're like, I've got to do more. I'm already so tired. Like, oh, maybe confidence for you is going down to three days a week, downsizing, going on a sabbatical, going part-time, total job change, maybe telling your boss, you need to hire someone. Those are confident power moves, man. Not just like adding more to your to-do list. That's that's not confidence. So yeah. So although it's not like I don't directly support people with burnout, it it comes into play so much because a lot of people's experiences, you just keep taking it because you think you have to, Mm -hmm. because your brain tells you have to, because your boss tells you you have to, like whatever the reason is, and you don't. (laughs) We can get creative around how you can radically change your life around. So it looks different and feels different, you know? And and again, people are like, it's so black and white, which is what our brains do. Our brains love black and white, right? It's like, well, I've got a mortgage. I can't quit my job. Like, oh, okay. No one told you you had to quit your, like, that's okay. That is one of 20 options. So let's look at, if you don't like number one, let's look at two through 20 and see options there feel good and feel aligned with you and what you want your life to be and your responsibilities. And, and it takes confidence to look at that stuff and to be open to it and to get creative and, you know, make your work fit with who you want to be. That's a power move. Like that's bold. So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So Jess, with that in mind, what's one piece of advice you'd share with someone listening today who is feeling a little bit stuck and feeling like they need some confidence to make some of these big, bold moves to have a better life that's free of burnout? Okay. I want to give 72 things, but I'm going to do I one. I bet you do. Give it to one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Here's the one thing. That I want people to understand. You have got the definition of confidence wrong. We've been, for whatever reason, we all seem to buy into the story that confidence means no sweaty palms, no blood rushing to your head, no like heart racing, no, just total chill. We've just decided somehow we got the myth that confidence, being confident means we've got to be totally chill. That's no, those are two different. They're on different measures. My friend, you can be a sweaty, awkward, feel like you're going to throw up mess and still be confident, still know what you can do and still take action. Like every time you get that, I'm freaking out. Oh oh my God, I'm not confident. No, (laughs) don't tell your brain that story. Rewire your brain in this way. You get the, oh God, I'm about to have a difficult conversation with my boss and say no to this project. I'm freaking out and maybe I shouldn't and maybe I should just take it on because this is too uncomfortable. Take a deep breath. Repeat after me. Of course, I'm nervous. I'm about to be really brave. Of course, I'm nervous. I'm about to be really brave. If you want to even go to the next level of that one, it's I'm feeling this because I'm so excited. That's a masterclass one. You don't have to start there. You could start with, of course, I'm nervous. I'm about to be brave. You have to change this strange belief you have that because you're a sweaty, nervous mess, that that means you can't take action and can't be confident. Different measures, different measures. So you are ready. You are confident. You're just also nervous. And that's cool. That doesn't mean you can't have the conversation, do the difficult thing, say no to the project, fire the client, whatever the thing is, you can be nervous and still do it. That's okay. I love that. So good. 
perfect way to finish. I'm feeling more confident already. I'm definitely going to try that myself. (laughs) So thank you so much for your time today, Jess. Oh, Jess, thank you as well. This is such an important topic that you're bringing to people. And I'm so grateful you are because if we can prevent just another handful of people from having to go to full burnout before they can start doing the work to prevent it, it's game changer. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jess. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you're suffering from burnout or want some tips on how to avoid it, join our Facebook group, The Burnout Club Community. If you've gotten something out of today's episode, we'd love your review. Simply click the link in the show notes to share your thoughts. Until next time, go gently.